It's Barely in Topic, a podcast for Boston Bruins fans by Boston Bruins fans. Welcome to Barely in Topic. We are in the fourth episode of the sixth season, uh, and I am here, uh, I am VA, of course, I am here with Jeff. Yo. And Nick. Special appearance before his hockey game. Yes. Playoff game. Yeah. Oh, it's a playoff game. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. Good luck. Thank you. It is Championship Sunday. I don't think it's Championship Sunday for you, but it's Playoff Sunday for you. (laughs) Mm. Yes. You notice I'm watching zero football because I don't give a shit. So, yeah. Tim is watching the fucking football. (laughs) (laughs) You know how sometimes you're watching the Bruins and you realize that you have said nothing but like talk, you've done nothing but talk shit about a player, yet they prove you wrong. Like, like Adam last night had said, ah, Marshan hasn't been so sparkly since he's been wearing the A. And then boom, <laughs> goal. And I was like, I, I think that's a good way to, to put I mean, it. He's still, yeah, the, the leading scorer on the team from the season right now um, with uh, three, but, four, and seven. <laughs> but the point is, is that he said that, and then boom, Martian sprung into action, right? So you know how it is. You talk shit about somebody, and then they they do something good, and then you're like, okay, I have to eat some crow now. So I realized last night, I'm like, oh, I've been talking shit about Tom Brady all year long. Ever since he left the Patriots, I've been just talking shit and how much I can't stand him or whatever. Tom, I love you so much. I really hope you win today. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> but aren't they playing Buffalo or something to that? I don't know. I don't follow football at all. Green Bay. Green Bay. I so, mean, like, so do you want? Do you, I thought you didn't like Aaron Rodgers. I think he's overrated. Like, I don't. It's not that I don't like him. I think he's got a personality disorder because he just kind of doesn't like anybody. So, I mean, you know what? Actually, after this week, I I kind of wanted to hurl a lot of people into the sun myself. So I told a friend of mine that I wanted to go um, get a a switchblades and slit somebody's tires at the park. Oh. Because he's a jerk. (laughs) No violence against him, just his car. That's all. I mean, um, tires are pretty tough. You're probably better off with a fixed blade rather than a switchblade. But, you know, Mm. I, I understand the sentiment. Okay. All right. Well, I'll look into that. (laughs) <laughs> but no, I, I I just I I don't like Aaron Rodgers and I think he's overrated, but he's still one of the best quarterbacks in the NHL. I mean NFL. He would be <laughs> He's also one of the best uh, quarterbacks in the NHL, but he's not I mean, really in the NHL. Footballers and hockey, wasn't there some pictures of Marshawn Lynch um, uh, all uh, geared up playing some shinny or something the other day? <laughs> oh, that's good. That's awesome. Oh, I missed that. I, I did not um, see that, but I'll have to go look for it later. No, that's cool. I I love Marshawn Lynch now that he doesn't have to talk to the press and he's just like, I'm talking it. <laughs> well, he's just so fucking weird, right? Which is wonderful. You don't you, you just don't have enough enough athletes that are just simply weird. <laughs> I think he's weird, but I also think he's like an introvert. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And he's like he's one of those relative introverts where it's like 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 I am. It's like I seem like I'm extroverted. But really, I'm only extroverted in comparison to other people. So I'm not a true introvert, and I'm not at all the extroverted extrovert. introvert. 
Yes, exactly. So I think that's what Marshawn Lynch is. So he is a, a guy that uh, when you look into him, he is very interesting. So so it would not surprise me one bit that he would be playing some kind of hockey. That would be cool. Yeah. But when it comes down to it, I just, I feel like Tom Brady, like, excising himself from the Patriots makes it really easy for me to see him for who he is as a person. Mm. And I don't like him as a person. You know what I mean? I used to feel for him, but then it's like, okay, dude. We need to stop having the sob story about how you were the 199th pick overall and that you were so sad on, on draft day and you've won so many championships. Just fuck off. <laughs> the, the only thing I'm sympathetic about what he's doing now is like, you know what? Okay. I can see why if you've been playing under a coach like um, uh, Belichick, you want to go out there and prove you can do it without the coach too. Yep. So like good on Tom for that. I mean, you know, the big, big you know, close sealed the deal, make you utterly inassailable. No one will probably ever challenge you for, uh, for your status as best quarterback of all time. You've got this now, buddy. Good job. Especially if you win, if you manage to win, to, to win a Super Bowl as a non-patriot, but <laughs> right. I'm i right. uh, I'm rooting for Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> I mean, I have absolutely no skin in this game. Oh, neither do so, I. I won't be watching the game. I'll be playing hockey anyway. Well, it's happening right now, so none of us are watching it. Oh, we'll see. I mean, Tim's I watching was... it enough for all of us, though. There you go. Thank you, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's really funny. It's like when Tim's on and we talk about football in some way, I'm always, I don't know why, I'm always surprised about how much stuff I remember about football. Like, you know, from stuff in the past and whatnot, you know, like we were talking about last week, how one of the things I saw growing up, I, I was able to watch Randall Cunningham when he played for the Eagles. And that was, man, I got to tell you, that was a fun time. So much fun watching him play for the Eagles. But, you know, he was one of the first quarter uh, black quarterbacks that I had ever seen. You know what I mean? I hadn't heard of Doug Williams until he was with the, uh, the now called Washington football team. How do they keep that name? It's just it's like so, so low effort. It's like fine, but you're not gonna like it. <laughs> well, they're at least keeping it through next season. Again, so that's it's definitely a spite thing. They're like, fine, you want us to get rid of the name? Well, fuck you. We're not getting. We're not gonna get a new one. Which I is like, like their logo though. It's just a W. Just a W. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's very. It's a very um, uh, university team uh, way to do things, but. Mm-hmm. But there's enough precedent for that in, in football, too. I mean, Green Bay, for example, because I'm not entirely clear that anyone wants a cartoon version of whatever a Packer is. There's this one team in the NHL that just has a letter for their logo. It's uh, called the Boston Bruins. It's pretty cool, <laughs> I mean, too. It's mad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Are you reminding us again that we're actually a hockey podcast and we're supposed to be talking about the Boston Bruins specifically? Yes and no, but it was like, wait a second. I'm talking about how cool just this letter is. I'm like, wait, what? Why would I like a, a team with that logo? It's just a letter. I'm like, oh yeah, the Bruins. I'm a Bruins fan. <laughs> I mean, like you know, but still, good job. I was coming up trying to come up with a way. It's like, how am I going to steer this back? Is it going to be clever? Or is it just going to be blunt? I don't know yet. I don't know. Nick's got it. Okay. <laughs> well, what, what about the Boston Red Sox? I mean, their their actual logo on their on their um their Let's, what's that thing you put in your head? A hat. Oh, my hat. God. Wow. Last <laughs> week, I thought my wording was bad because, like, literally the minute I, I pressed stop on the record, my ability to form words and sentences stopped. I was just so exhausted. But the logo, the single logo on their hat is just a B for Boston. 
right? So it's like it's a Boston thing, too. So it's like so we kind of like that. But yes, we should probably talk about Boston Bruins hockey. And there are things to look forward to because the Bruins have managed to win two games in a row and they won two games by shootout this year. Yeah, what the fuck's that? I think that's a career high for the Bruins. <sighs> and each time they've won in the shootout, it's been just the other team can't hit the broadside of a barn or whatever, or it gets saved or blocked or whatever. And it's like, it's always one Bruins player manages to squeak one by. Jake DeBrusque's little, little fleek. I don't It's not, it was like a little, it was a chip shot. It was Nikita Kucherov inspired. I mean, like, I don't feel like you see that many, like, bar downs on shootouts either, which is kind of cool. <laughs> and if you watch it, oh he, he sold it yeah. really, really well. Because Incredibly I, well. I watched the, the GIF, uh, or I watched it again and again and again, because it's like, he's looking, like, straight on. Like, now, I can't see where his eyes were, because we're looking at it from behind him. But he's looking straight forward, and he just takes the shot to the left. Mm-hmm. And so it's like he was selling it like he wasn't trying to shoot it over there, but he did. So it was like, wow, that was really good. And what did we do last week, Jeff? What did we do we last week? On, uh, on Jake DeBrusque. <laughs> <laughs> I will point out that late in the third, I was also shitting on Jake DeBrusque quite a bit. Like <laughs> on Twitter, I believe I was something something to be effective. So it's, uh, it's about the time we're all right now is when we're all going to start doing the right thing and um uh, and, and, and hating Jake, Jake DeBrusque or something to that effect. I don't remember what no, I said. No, you, you worded it in such a way that I had to question you about how you meant it because I was like, you know, like. Oh, turn on. It's about now is when we do the right thing and turn on Jake DeBrusque, yeah. And I was like, turn on as an activate or turn on as in chase him out of town. Or arouse him sexually. It was torches, pitchforks, and um, uh, rebel, rebel, rebel. (laughs) You know, you know, you're you're very valid. That is another option, but that was not an option I ever think about with Jake DeBrusque. Sorry. (laughs) I guess it's only me who thinks about that. (laughs) You have this thing with Jake, man the number thing yeah it's totally the number thing i had problems that game myself because my boyest of boys giveth and my other boy taketh away and i was just so mad so mad i was just sitting there like brennan carlo does a good thing he scores a goal he scores a goal early in the season and it's like you're not expecting him to score a goal like ever so he does and and the bruins go on top and then sean crowley Surely it was a little bit of a bullshit penalty, but it was a penalty and they went on the power play and and the penalty kill was just not great in that game. Not great. They went from being excellent to terrible. (laughs) And then, you know, that's what happened. But anyway, let's let's start off with Monday, Monday in that game that man, I got to tell you, that was a Claude kind of game, wasn't it? So it was like middle of the working day for me. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Well, basically. Canada, right? So, okay. I'm yeah. going to tell you this is the truth. For the most part, I just made dinner with the hockey on in the background because it was like during dinner making time. And I did make a really, really good mac and cheese, but it wasn't just mac and cheese. Half of it was cauliflower and the other half was chickpea pasta. So. Oh, cool. Because I want to limit my carbs and stuff like that so you can easily just make a a mac and cheese like cheese sauce and put it over anything and bake it off and it'll be excellent so don't put chickpea pasta in soup it just melts not in a nice pea soup way more in a revolting wallpaper paste sort of way (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I usually use chickpea pasta for the usual ways, not not soup. So, you know, it's fine with sauces and stuff. But uh, uh, yeah. So, oh, it never occurred to me that you probably use chickpea pasta as well because of a gluten thing. I I do it because it's like it's like there's a lot of protein in there and not as many carbs. So. Uh, yeah, yeah, trying to find an acceptable. We don't we don't do a lot of subbing, but trying to find a um, uh, pleasant um, uh, alternative pasta is a challenge. Barilla does okay gluten free corn and rice pasta, pasta, but it still isn't quite the same. It's right, right. It's just a little disappointing. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? As someone once told me, what are you more excited about? Are you more excited about the pasta or the sauce? And it really depends. It, it all depends on what I've done there. Like I'm not going to do a um. Uh, Whatever I, I had oglio with uh, with with this pasta, that's not going to work <laughs> because pasta's the star. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, anyway, I was I was making dinner during the game, but uh, basically it was just like scoreless until the third. <laughs> I think I seem it was to an extremely aisles game. Oh my god! Uh, yeah, and it was just because the aisles, especially under trots, it's just like defensive 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 you know and it's like i told you it's a, it, it was a clode game clode like to have those like hey let's win by one but there's only one goal scored <laughs> if he could win zero zero he would it was disappointing to walk away from that game without a win the bruins are obviously showing that they're they're not going to peak early oh boy they're not going to peak early except yesterday was pretty fantastic but they're going to take time to to get things together so let's move on to thursday night's game that was much more fun i did watch that it, thursday's game was boring until the third period <laughs> i don't even want i wouldn't even say that like the second was was, was a decent period of hockey too i was sad to leave the second period with nothing uh they had two we had nothing Oh, sorry, I confused the games. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, second period wasn't great either on Thursday. My bad. <laughs> yeah, so it was just like, you know, basically, um, you know, they, they showed uh, someone talking to Claude Giroux, and he was like, oh, we know the Bruins are going to come out starting strong in the third period. And, and that's what they did, like 57 seconds in. It's like, boom, let's score. Scoring is fun. Let's keep doing it. That's when even strength goals became a thing. Jack Stanika. Oh, yes. Got his first uh, NHL goal. He got his. He did, and better. it was a nice one. Yep, it was very close. I thought, oh no, they're going to call it back for goaltender interference, but he didn't touch him at all. He just he was in there in the crease, but he was not touching him, so it was fine. So yep, so that was really great to see. You want to see your young guys getting in on the scoring early in the season, <laughs> in the game, preferably. But hey, let's take it for what it was. And then of course, barely more than a minute later, Charlie Coyle. Man, you know, I, I got to tell you, Charlie Coyle, like, who doesn't want to be Charlie Coyle? Big, tall guy, mm. handsome, gets the goals, doesn't get injured. I want to be Charlie Coyle, even though I'm wearing a Milan Lucic t-shirt right now. Oh, you're wearing that special Milan Lucic t-shirt, aren't you? I am, yep. Yeah. The, the hideous one that has a picture of him in the front and the back, and it's made out of, like, awful spandex. <laughs> <laughs> It's 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 a, it's a loose fitting spandex though. I wear it whenever we have a big hockey game. Okay. My, my. But anyway, yeah, I, I'll be Charlie Coyle. I, I would enjoy his uh, his salary as well. 
Yeah, Sweeney signed him early in the season last year, you know, for an extension. And I, I never had a problem with it. I still <laughs> don't have a problem with it. I like Charlie Coyle. Glad he's on this team. And uh, this wasn't the only goal he scored for, against the Flyers, but we'll get into that later. That was fun. Like to see Charlie Coyle in on the on there. Now this is when they had uh, who was it? Was on the uh, the right side of him? I'm not right side. The left side was it Richie? Uh, so Bjork played le- played their left wing that game. Okay, so it was Bjork. Okay, so so yeah, this was our first game with Brusk up on the on the top first line right wing. Richie on uh, Krejci's left with Studnik on the other side. Bjork three left wing. Frederick four left wing. And DeBrusk was on the top line. Yeah. Okay. I didn't remember how they they had done that, but yes. Okay. No, but no, that might have been the second game that DeBrusk was top line. Again, I don't. I didn't see Islanders, but I think he might have been up there then, because that would have been the first game after Kasha got injured. I think you might be right. Not that it mattered in that game at all, really. In any case, this is a, a weird roster build at the moment, given, of course, the fact that our, we're supposed to be our tops two right wings are, are injured. But it, it's working. That checks out. Yeah, yeah, but 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 it, but it, but it's working. The top two um, right wings are out. That checks out, or those checks. Okay, never mind. It's not perfect. Oh, oh my god, fuck. that's brilliant. <laughs> oh my. Okay, can we? Can you say that again? And we'll we'll now that we finally understand it, we'll react appropriately, and that will make the podcast. <laughs> I, I, I know what it is. You know what it is. I um. Now, that that won't be organic. It'll, it'll it'll feel like canned laughter on a bad sitcom, um, even though it's a real joke and it's actually great. And I think I just wasn't expecting it from someone not named Tim. Because <laughs> they're they're Czech. <laughs> I I know. I I sat there and I just thought you were like you were just like let's push past the terrible pun. <laughs> nope, just- no, it was. That was no, that's that's our fault. That is totally our fault. I apologize, VA. You you deserved better. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you. <laughs> it's, it's not often that I I come up with the the good puns, but I, I just I am tickled that our two top right wings are both Czech, and it's just a lot of fun to play with. If you don't have two checks on the same line, which you actually do with the second line, but you know you know what I'm saying. It's just fun. Yeah. It's fun. Where were we before I interrupted you? <laughs> so um, uh, Charlie Coyle had taken the lead, but uh, like five minutes later, that didn't work out so well. Was Briefly. It, was it the lead? Travis Sandheim. Oh, yeah. I think they tied it up and then Sandheim broke the tie or something. Oh, yeah. yeah sorry. Tied and Sandheim took the, took the go ahead, but then um, things transpired. You know, Nick Ritchie uh, did a thing on the power play hey. with Bergeron. He seems to be really doing well on the uh, net front, which is... It's nice to see because we have been even as good as the power point's been for years. The net, for, net the net front's been a bit been an abyss. Like DeBrusque, Coyle, like guys that should be good in that spot haven't really produced on the on the power play in the last couple seasons. Despite that unit being crazy, <laughs> he found the correct Richie to put right in front of the net. That's that's what it was. <laughs> Large and not incompetent. Weird. <laughs> good hands in front of the net. <laughs> yes, Terrible. Nick Ritchie is doing well, just as we all predicted. I can't call on it. Like I'm, Nick is such doing well. Nick Ritchie's good. Yeah, just as we all, like, you know, we never questioned well, it. Good. Like, yeah. holy shit, where'd this come from? What the fuck last year, dude? Like, again, the bubble, but it didn't happen. Fuck it, right? 
it's, well, it's, it's imaginary. That was that was hockey we all collectively hallucinated in August. In that collective hallucination, I think he came back not really in game shape. Yeah, he's a um, big boy, as I like to say. He's a very I mean, big like boy. you look at him on the ice. It's sort of like watching. Well, it's sort of like watching Phil Kessel. It's like you know, this is affirming seeing a man that looks like that be a successful pro athlete. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want. I randomly typed in fat NHL players, and someone came up with a list, and he was number five on it. So <laughs> I'm like, okay. The first several were some combination of, of Dustin Bufflin and Kyle Wellwood. <laughs> um, Dustin Bufflin was number one. Kyle Wellwood was number two. Yep, thought so. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Which is funny because Kyle Wellwood actually was notorious for playing underweight, uh, for playing undersized. <laughs> he showed up to, to Leafs camp once. Um, heavier than he ought to. <laughs> Meanwhile, you know, there was that one uh, picture from, uh, I think it was, uh, uh, shit, yeah. I can't remember which uh, former Blackhawk teammate's uh, wedding it was where Dustin Bufflin uh, looked like a fucking Zeppelin. <laughs> 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 like a month before camp, but then he showed up to camp looking like normal Dustin Bufflin. So I guess he just drank a lot of water that day. A real lot of water. <laughs> yeah there was like one point where he was like 280 or something like that i mean that's like lineman size of getting there it, that's like that's like tight end size honestly I, you're right you're right yeah because linemen it's like if you're under 300 pounds they don't want you <laughs> Sorry, i'm so used to still you're a fucking coke machine at that point yeah. you know <laughs> Exactly. There's a reason why William the Refrigerator Perry was called the Refrigerator. Because he looked like a fridge. Oh, I thought he was a great repairman. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? And the real shame, the real shame is the only Super Bowl that Walter Payton ever got to go to and play in. He did not get to have a rushing touchdown because they gave the ball to the fridge. Mm Mm-hmm. Gimmick play. Ugh. All right. So anyway, I'm going to get the football stuff. I've got the football stuff out now. Okay. Just wanted to, to, to talk about that. You know, I was actually alive to see Walter Payton play. And that's the shame. All right. So Sanheim, we don't like him. But then Richie on the power play, as we said. Yep. Okay. And then, um, uh, you know, um, your boy, your boy is to boys there. Um, yeah. From Grizz and Marshawn, which is in. <laughs> right above the face-off circle. It was great because at first I thought it was from the point, but no, he just shot a rocket from the uh Oh, the I was going to say, it, it had both Seidenbaum and Johnny Rocket um, uh, tones to that to that goal. <laughs> I mean, Seidenbaum would have been from further up. Seidenbaums came from like the home blue line or some bullshit <laughs> like that, usually. But <laughs> <laughs> Definitely the red like, line. Yeah. Really, yeah. Seidenbaum got one one a season like that at center ice. No, that, that so I am not a professional hockey player. Big surprise, but that shot that Carlo had had was a uh, that's an offensive defenseman shot. It was a one timer slap shot, and he shot it top corner, the only room in the net. I'm like, that is a skilled shot. Did you see how he was moving? I thought he was Grizzlick yeah. or McAvoy. I really did. Mm-hmm. That was a McAvoy move. You know what I mean? The the way that his his feet just like he glided into position and took the one timer. Oh, it was beautiful. I just yeah, he's been working on it. He's been working on it. 
I think he knows what he is. Everybody knows what kind of player he is, but he's still working on um, having some he offensive. Said so. He knew what he was going to be from, from the beginning. He said it during his first dev camp, right? Yes. <laughs> right after right after he was drafted. <laughs> so I'm just so happy for him. He got that goal and Bergie rushed over to him right away. It was so adorable. I mean, it's like I'm used to seeing Chara, you know, big Papa Bear come in and Bergie is like several inches shorter. <laughs> than Carlos, so it's like little papa <laughs> yeah i guess carlo's our tallest uh bruin right now six five yep mm-hmm. jeff jeff's yep. height yeah i can't skate so you know good for good for brandon for being you know a good skater <laughs> well <laughs> remember when he signed his contract he said toe picks and uh missing empty nets for two more years <laughs> <laughs> And the picture that he showed was of him falling. Well, you know, missing the empty net. <laughs> hey, good for him. Sense of humor. Yeah, you got to have a sense of humor. Accept who you are. Strive to be better. Accept who you are. And uh, make fun of yourself when when appropriate. So there you go. Anyway, then, yep, JVR tied it. That sucked. OT. Rask was amazing during OT. <laughs> oh my god, I know. So many acrobatic saves. Point Blake Stone, some of their best shooters. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Now we do have to give all this with the caveat that Philly didn't have Couturier for either of these games. That's true. So like they were playing they were playing uh, Giroux at sa- as 2C and Giroux doesn't usually play center anymore at all, right? He, he mostly plays left wing now. <laughs> yeah. He's an old man, yeah. I still have plenty of talent on that roster. Plenty. Oh, yeah, for sure. And Kevin Hayes looks like he's having a great season to start off too, right? And again, not a big Kevin Hayes fan, but because I think he's just Carly Coyle, but paid more. But, you know. <laughs> he's obviously jealous of Charlie Coyle's mayordom and good looks. So And great butt. Um, <laughs> just making it awkward. I also got to think uh, Claude Giroux for quite possibly the third worst shootout shot I've ever seen. So he just looked like oh, he did not want to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so, weird because, you know, you figured yeah. it, at that point it was the last shot. You, he mm-hmm. should have probably been, you know, it's like, well, if I don't score this, it's over or there can be more chances. So like phoning that one in was kind of an odd choice. Yeah, it was um, anticlimactic. So you had Rask great in overtime great in the first two shootout attempts and then rask just existing on the third but it was for the win so i'm okay with it yeah i also find interesting we did a shootout and uh neither bergeron nor marshawn were in the first three shooters usually at least one if not both are in the for are are, are are the the starters for it eh yeah i mean there's part of it logic is you want to keep is keep your powder dry have a good shooter or two left for left for fourth or fifth if it goes to sudden death right mm-hmm. <laughs> who did they have they had Smith, Coyle, and DeBrusque, which, like, Smith makes sense. Coyle's an interesting choice, and, well, okay, DeBrusque is like, okay, he did a thing, yay. Just, he hasn't been doing much things. Look, he won the game. Well, exactly, and credit to him for that, yeah. I mean, it'd be nicer if you won the game during game play instead of this nonsense, but, like, a win's a win, I suppose. Jake DeBrusque is, is frustrating. Yeah. Yes. To say the least. All right, so, so last night's game... Uh, which was another game. Now, I want to say that, remember, I said the first episode of the season, I think that the games against Philly, I was looking forward to them. I thought they were going to be interesting, 
maybe fun. And I think they lived up to that so far. You know, there's only six more to go. <laughs> That's a lot. It is. Just embrace the weirdness of the season, right? We don't Absolutely. we don't have to play Tampa Bay. That's good. We don't have to play Toronto and we might have mixed fing- feelings on that. We don't have to play Montreal and they're probably a real fucker to actually play against right now. A combination of small shifty players and, and big stacks of meat. Uh, they're leading the North right now. So I'm not sure I'd want to deal with them. So I haven't seen any of the games from the North, but I'm fascinated by how all of this is going to turn out. But anyway, yeah. So last night's game. Two roster changes. Of okay. course, Grizzlick was a fairly late scratch. Well, by late, I mean the day before they said he'd probably play. And then by mid-afternoon, they told us he would not. Oh, um, yeah. Let's go back to the to the, the Monday game. That's the, the big thing that happened in Monday's game. I was really worried that Grizzly had broken his wrist because he went down hard. He was battling Eberly and uh, they were going up the ice and then they both just threw each other down. So, so I think he's dinged up, obviously. I, I'm wondering what's going on with Grizzly. Well, then, then he took another hit on Thursday, and it appeared to be something lower body. He um, played for the remainder of regulation after it. Did not play in the in OT, despite the fact that he's probably the defenseman on the roster who most belongs in three-on-three OT. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was surprised that he came back to, to play on Thursday. and that Oh, he had when no he left, apparent... it didn't look good. Okay. Look, the way he, yeah. Anyway, so they gave him they gave him maintenance day Saturday, Friday, and then told him he'd probably be back. He was not. Connor Clifton got his first game of the season, Woo-hoo. playing his off wing on the middle pairing. I mean, not off wing, but offside on the middle pairing, which is all kinds of interesting choice. But I think it's mostly it's like um, clearly the team wants to keep Zaboral handcuffed to uh, Miller for the time being. We'll get mm-hmm. to that. It's like that's <laughs> that's fine. You know what? If he's doing well there right now, don't mess it up. We'll get to that in a bit because I have some thoughts in general, like mostly all positive. Okay. Um, and then the other big one was we sort of, I feel like in, a, in one of our our chats, um, uh, Tim, Mandy, and I might have accidentally willed this into being. Frederick playing on third, le- third three left wing instead of Bjork. So Frederick's looked awesome, like every game and better and better every game. So on, about on Friday, I started commenting on the genuinely see some Tom Wilson upside there. Mm-hmm. Let's just say him playing on the third line did absolutely nothing to to disabuse that op- optimism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in, in fact, it definitely encouraged it. I would say he created Craig Smith's goal and that pass for Coyle for Coyle's goal last night. Oh. oh, you know what 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 Glenn pointed out about that line last night was you have eleven Frederick, twelve Smith, thirteen Coyle. The only, the only bummer is they don't line up in the correct order. Um, I would still call them the sequential line anyway because their numbers are sequential. Um, I got to say, uh, a, a um, anarchic bowling ball seems to be exactly what that line line needed to go with the um to go with 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 Coyle's puck with Coyle's puck management and and and, and Smith's uh, volume shooting. Anarchic. Oh. Anar- what? <laughs> <laughs> an anarchic bowling ball. <laughs> we does Trent Frederick have a uh, social media? Because we need to see like at him if he does. You need to at him if he does, and be like, "I came up with this great nickname for you. Here it is. L- roll with it. Pun intended." Please 
explain this to me? Because I apparently did not catch this. Well, well, he, he's pissing everybody off, too. He drew like four penalty against exaggeration. He drew a lot of penalties last night, too. I believe it was Mark Friedman. He just like really just, just managed to raise absolute hell in and draw the worst out of him several times. So he's he's out there. He's, well, oh, that was the big Bruins news. The behind the B clip with him chirping Subban. Yes. This expert level chirp, too. Just like that. That's that's harsh. If you're PK Subban and you're getting your ass ragged by some fucking kid who hasn't even locked their spot on, on an NHL roster yet. <laughs> so for the listeners who aren't familiar with the clip, Trent Frederick was chirping PK Subban pretty good. And Subban's like, you know, I'm going to beat the poop out of you. You're a poop head. You, you dumb poop. You know, we swear on the show, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. you can say <laughs> shit. It's okay. I know you're a southerner, but we swear on the fuck, show. <laughs> but I'm going to replace it with poop for comedic value. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> because please so, don't do it out of my delicate ears. No, it's just, it's just so funny. People expect you to swear, but if you say poop instead of swearing, people are like, oh my God, I wasn't expecting that. It sounds nastier for some reason. <laughs> you know, um... Yeah, actually, what sounds worse? I got to take a shit or I got to take a poop? Oh, by the way, uh, Trent Frederick is uh, tfreddy42 on Instagram. All right. We just need to put his face on a bowling ball with an anarchy symbol on it. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Insta-famous. So, anyway. Chirp. Uh, <laughs> <sure. laughs> Frederick then uh, concludes the chirp session, which he was holding up very well all the way through, but then... He dunks on Subban and tells him, you know what? Why don't you just go ahead and post another workout video or, or something along those lines? Another fucking, which, I think he drops an F-bomb in there. You too. fucking yes, loser, he says. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. You poop loser. <laughs> if you're constipated, you'd love to be a poop loser. But <laughs> that was such a burn because P.K. Subban, um, he posts lots and lots of videos of him working out. And not many videos of him scoring goals. Boom. I would not win a fight against P.K. Subban, so I don't want to start shit with him. I don't know. We've seen him. He doesn't fight well. I mean, he lost a fight to Marshawn. Well, they lost to a fight to each other at the same time. <laughs> I mean, like, oh, yeah, exactly. It's a fight that no one involved, even tangentially, wants anyone to win. It's just like, uh, you guys kind of deserve this. Both of you. <laughs> no, I mean, very rarely do shit starters actually fight well. Let's just put it as it is. Well, this is why ter- which is why Frederick is kind of terrifying. Because um, based on his record in the AHL, the people he's antagonizing, if they choose to fight him, he might rip their sternum out of their chest. <laughs> That's true. I mean, he was kind of a... Dangerous lunatic last year in the AHL? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's brought his own uh, brand of dangerous lunacy to the NHL. Hooray. And it's just, just an absolute delight on that line. It really is. Like, to the point where it's like, um, I don't think once everyone's healthy, I want Richie or Frederick off of those middle six line, off the middle six left wings, which presents a real problem with the whole DeBrusque thing. Trade DeBrusque and myself to a team that, and we take their defenseman. Because wherever DeBrusque goes, I also go since he picked my number. <laughs> but like but, but you know what i'm saying right it's like obviously posternock's gonna come back and gonna take his spot retake his own spot on the top line right wing although 
I would actually consider rolling pasta with Krejci if you're still having to put DeBrusque on his off wing. Well, you know, there there is no timetable right now for Andre Kaja to come back. But ultimately, like it comes to the, what, what I come to is like, is there are, well, there's more than two, but I'm not going to touch the Corrali-Wagner issue. There are several players that I'm not convinced are on track to, to, to prove that they belong to stay in the stay on the roster when certain players start coming back, and DeBrusque's on that list. Bjork, I think, is obviously the other one. I have no doubt that he has a future in this league as a Dan Paye. However, he might not get to be that in Boston. <laughs> well, you know, judging by yesterday's big blockbuster trade with the Jets sending Patrick Laine and Jack Roslevic, hometown boy, Columbus hometown boy, back to Columbus, I have got it figured out. Yarmo Kekalainen, is that the, uh, the GM uh, for yes. Columbus? Okay, he is going to trade for Sean Corrali at the deadline. He's going to bring all the Columbus boys home. He's going to... Just he's gonna trade for Connor Murphy as well. He's gonna get all the Columbus boys to come home, and they're going to do what Boston's doing. Yep, that's what they're gonna do. I mean, that solves a little bit of problems. Then you know you put Frederick at four C, and then both Frederick and Bjork have to stay on the roster in probably their most appropriate lo- in probably what are ultimately the most appropriate locations. Although again, three left wing Frederick is looking pretty fucking rad. <laughs> but it's gonna make me sad because I think that John Crowley is gonna look really good in the Kraken uniform. Crowley's, I don't think, a high chance for Kraken. He's, he's a UFA after this year, so he, yeah, he'll be exposed, but like, Kraken aren't going to sign him in lieu of taking a more useful player from Boston. Yeah, but don't they actually sign people in free agency? They so, may. That, that could happen. But again, we've talked about this before. I, 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 I can see this happening next year in Columbus because he's the hometown boy and Riley Nash's contract expires after this year, I believe. All right, all right. So Fine. Like, you know, and they play the same you know spot on the roster, so that just makes sense. I remember Riley Nash. <laughs> Pepperidge Farm remembers. <laughs> Pepperidge Farm remembers. So, uh, okay, so get, let's get back to that game from last night because we've we've gone off track. We, we're excited about Frederick. He's with Coyle and uh, Smith, and right now it looks like a really good fit, so that's cool. I mean, this, this team was great. It was like playing a Dream Theater song while jumping out of the back of an airplane without a parachute. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was over. But it was okay, because it was great when it was happening. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, you, you got two goals from, from Bergie. You got two goals from Marshy. You got Craig Smith's first goal as, as a Bruin. And you got Charlie Coyle's second of the season. As uh, they said on Nesson, the Nesson recap show after, it was a six-pack on the Flyers. There's a lot of players' first points of the season, actually, last night, too. Yep. Trent Frederick. Uh, uh, Sporl, McAvoy, Lausanne were all their first point of the season. Oh, wow. I forgot about McAvoy. So three of them, and Frederick, of course. So, you know, Frederick, was, Frederick and Zaboral, they were their first NHL points. Mm-hmm. Very exciting. Also got his first point of the season. And assists. Because, you know, his first assist in something horrible, like 31 games, if I saw a stat over the week or something. He had, in his previous 30 games, had been like five goals and zero assists. Selfish player. He said selfish player. Not really. I mean, that's not even shellfish. That's selfish. That's just absent. It, but it could be a shellfish player. <laughs> I mean, like, yes, if you put a clam or a lobster on the ice, they would approximately get, I suppose they could manage to get five goals and zero assists in 30 games. <laughs> <laughs> Assuming the clam is also the puck. <laughs> just put the, put, the, put the clam net front. <laughs> there you go. Hmm? <laughs> it's about to go in. 
Now, are we talking like a big co-hug? Well, well, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, a little bit bigger. It has to be bigger than a puck to actually be like a a player. (laughs) Obviously, right? (laughs) I feel like this sets up well for that one, was it Nationwide commercial where a walrus was the goalie? (laughs) I think, I think, I think think we're on to something. Geico. Okay. (laughs) No, not sleepy time. For we don't have enough defensemen to, to field today, so we're gonna put out a stuffed animal. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, see, this is where you go back and you go back in time and you dig out the goat and the broom. <laughs> <laughs> Still better than a pylon. <laughs> I mean, is it though? If I recall, the goat and the broom were like somewhere in the vic- same vicinity as um, like Matt Bartowski, Matt Bartowski, and some um, like Wade Redden, if I believe it was that season, and we came up with that, that concept came to be in the. Uh... <laughs> Did he Man, even he... play a game as a Bruin? Some regular season games, and I think he played. He he must have played one playoff because he was condition on his pick got, on the pick they traded for him got activated. Yeah, got talking settled. about Wade Redden. Yeah, yes, he definitely did because I don't know. I think about strange things from time to time. And I thought to myself was, why did Wade Redden play more or just as many playoff games as Dougie Hamilton in 2013? (laughs) Dougie plays. We might have done better. Anyway, that's all. I mean, but remember after the first round, Dougie was only competing, was competing with Krug for that roster spot. True. Now maybe he shouldn't have because I'm, I mean, I, I'm sorry to say it, VA, before I start talking, but like Ferentz was not one of our top six, best six defensemen at that point, And he played all the way through the playoffs there. Why do you, you know, hurt me so much? Why? I, <laughs> why? I, I've been very open. I always like I, I, I like Andrew Ferentz. At that point, he was not one of our best six defensemen. They shouldn't have been playing playing that late in, in, into the playoffs. And let's face it, it was Ferentz fuck-ups that caused like both of the 27-second goals or whatever. <laughs> I... Stop hurting me. <laughs> Ow. No. Sorry. I'm such a meanie. In any case, uh, yes, I mean, the only reason Dougie Red, D- Dougie Redden or Bart played in that playoffs at all was because um, Bruins had no fully functioning defenseman in that first in that first round series against Toronto, which is a big part of why it went as far as it did, probably. Mm-hmm. Well, um, Ferentz got suspended and then broke his foot, uh, but he was back for the Penn sing- series. That's that's what I remember. No, I'll give you some love. On uh, oh, for that. thank you, thank you. Somebody's at least nice to me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so with these games, like, there's some great things out of this team right now, right? We've talked at great length about Fre- about Frederick. Tim was right. Let's just say it and give it credit right here. Tim, Tim you were right about Trent Frederick. <laughs> Tim, you're right. <laughs> I, I never disagreed with him, so ha. I mean, I never disagreed with him either. I just felt I always dispute his optimism as a little rosy, very, very rosy. Super into them was warranted. <laughs> yeah. Wow, look at that hot gold differential that the Bruins have. Oh, it's it's pretty insane. Plus five. <laughs> That's better than the the Capitals right now. 
Tampa and of course Dallas, but Dallas is special because they played one game and one at seven zero because that was you know how things are supposed to go. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, small Colorado, sample size. Minnesota because everyone saw that coming, and Tampa are the teams that are tied with uh, Boston for for gold diff. And of course Montreal's plus eleven, but like, yeah, that'll last. <laughs> Montreal? Oh yeah. Well, last night they were plus t- uh, plus eight, so whew, they they did a good job. Okay. Well, anyway, all right. So interesting things from. Uh, I'm I'm just glad that we have even strength scoring again. I never thought I would want that so badly. Like I never thought I would have to wish for it, but here it is now. Yay! And this young defense. Uh, I'm still not feeling Lausanne as the top pairing D, but he's holding his own. He's looking better than he did the first couple games. The first couple games yes. were very rocky. Again, I think of all the of all the spots on our defense that someone's going to has a, is at risk of losing this season, presumably at the deadline. It has to, Lausanne's got to be the one with the, the one with the target on his back. Yep, but I think that it would be even worse if Lo, uh, if uh, if Zaboral had failed. So I agree, but remember, like I was previously op- say more optimistic about Zaboral NHL player than Lausanne top pairing and i feel like i was we we, we i think you and tim agreed with me on that i think yes yes because it's i just feel like the ghosts of 2015 draft will haunt don sweeney until he stops being the gm yeah there's some obvious fuck-ups there i went into that into those three picks wanting and expecting it to be um saboral connor connect was what i wanted out of that run they're gonna do what they're gonna do though right mm-hmm. Yeah. Remember, we can still get more. I mean, as we're seeing now, we can still get more wins out of that, out of that, that class. They're still Dan Fladash. Mm-hmm. They're still Cam Hughes, who like, I don't actually think he's an NHLer, but he's not bad for a sixth round pick. I have to say there's still Jack Becker too, but like he's in like his draft plus nine season and isn't even signed yet. So. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even remember that guy. So there you go. You take the obvious win of Brandon Carlo. He's worked out. Looks once looked solid as the late mm-hmm. second. Yeah. If in the end they only miss on on Sinition and and uh, my JFK in the two round first two rounds, cool. Yeah. I mean, like I think you can still argue that DeBrusque is still a miss for his position, for his draft position, in the context of that draft. In fact, that's unambiguous. But still, everything's a gamble. But having DeBrusque. I feel like many other teams would have picked him as well, and that's the position. Well, see, DeBrusque, DeBrusque was a reach, but not a huge one. Mm-hmm. Oral, of course, again, and it still drives me nuts that everyone out there, except apparent, except for the singular exception of Dominic Tiano, seems to really want to re- revise history and say that in the Shabbat was uh, it was rated higher than Zaboral, and it's just not fucking true. He was the fourth ranked defenseman in that class going in by mo- by most public scouting agencies. The only ones ahead of him were. Hannafin, who hasn't actually worked out that well so far, Provorov and um, uh, and Warensky. Is Hannafin still with the Flames, or is he with somebody else now? He's still with the Flames, but he's just not good. Yeah, I, because I I feel like he's moved on to some other place, and maybe mentally he has. I mean, they didn't take him right. It was it was it was um it Carolina. Was, yeah, it was Carolina. Yeah, no, I'm just saying he's on a second team. So usually when you're young and you're on your second team, that's not great. Oh, and you've traded for a guy who clearly tends to wear out his welcome, Dougie. Yep. Yep. Look, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna have a policy on Dougie this year where I'm not going to say too much about him. So we all know how I felt in the past. I feel like 
I feel like some things I've revised my, my thoughts on some things because, well, I, I think that uh, I've had some uh, media blindness and all of that. But uh, basically, and I, I just feel like maybe I haven't looked at things correctly, but I, I'm not going to shit all over Dougie this year. So that's that's my thing. All I can say about Dougie is he reliably melts in the face of the Bruins. Hmm. Listeners, raise your hand if you've been blocked by Dougie Hamilton on Twitter. <laughs> like me too, and that didn't even make any fucking sense. No, it didn't. It's what just, is that shit? It's all <laughs> the bad work that we did. <laughs> I'm Those not going to like search everyone that's like like put on anyone's like Bruins list or something and just block, 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 block. That's like fine. That Twitter find me everyone that has Boston Bruins listed in their <laughs> listed in their bio and make them go away. Which incidentally, Twitter, if you can do that, like. The fuck, man? Why didn't you, you know? Why didn't you roll that out to everybody? <laughs> like, like, and um, they're just with a few, like, you know, auto clicks. Like, this person has ever tweeted about QAnon. Poof, no more. <laughs> yeah, but they could have like provided that option a year and a half ago. Yep. I'm yep. not blocked by him on Instagram. It was just a Twitter thing. Oh, huh? I've never yeah. thought about it on on, on Instagram. Yeah, well, I am also not blocked on my Instagram, but I do not have an Instagram account. So, oh, well, that would be why. Yeah, yeah, that would explain it. Yes, <laughs> that would be some sorcery there if you were. Your future Instagram profile is automatically future blocked by Dougie Hamilton. Whatever, Dougie's a wiener. Oh my god, he I'm is. not blocked by him on 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 Instagram either. But you also probably wouldn't know it's me on Instagram either. So I'm like, actually just boomer. Well, no, no, actually, I, I haven't even been posting that many pictures of Boomer, not even to his own Instagram account. I just, I don't know, just kind of down on social media lately, you know? I'm like a ghost. That's what I feel like on all of my social media. I feel like a ghost, which I don't know if I should split hairs like this, but at least I'm not a wraith. A wraith, I feel mm -hmm. like there's like like a ghost. It's like uh, maybe you're just kind of lurking around and whatnot and... You're there, and you're just trying to figure out. Well, if you were a wraith, out. you'd be a malevolent force. Exactly. I'm not entirely sure how a lurker on on social media could be, but that's neither here nor there. No, I'm not a wraith. I, I no, I I tried to do things for good. So so anyway, so yeah, that's where I I tend to be. I don't know. I just I, I'm not good at social media, and that's it. That's how it is. So anyway, I I wanted to make this point. GMs always get blamed for players not working out. So like it's like 18 year olds. I, I know. I know. They're fucking children. So guess what? It looks like Zaboral has finally put in all the work that he needed to. And he looks like he might work out. And that's great. And he, he, he plays a really clean, tight game. Like maybe he's not going to be a top pairing defenseman. But like, honestly, watching him, I can tell to see it coming. And I do think it's only a matter of time before they try to dabble with swapping him and Lausanne, I think. We'll, well see. But But here's the thing. We've known for a long time he's been very inconsistent, so he has been working on it. So good for him, right? Well, and did you? There was I had missed this a year ago, but Marissa and Jemmy had a uh, a a, um, a piece on him last January. Okay, where just, you know, sort of just before he started to really put it together in the AHL, right? And uh, one of the things is he apparently he was an insomniac, and he'd finally gotten that sorted out. Oh, oh my goodness! I didn't know that. He tries, he might, he'd go to sleep at nine. It wouldn't be, he'd go to bed at nine. It wouldn't be asleep till three, four in the morning and then have to get up and go to practice and shit. Oh no, I, I definitely know what that that's like because for much of my life, I've been an insomniac. It's been very hard for me. Like I literally have to exhaust myself 
I don't miss. Yeah, I didn't Wednesday. know about this. I didn't see it at the time, and it was a. Uh, it's either Matt Porter or Connor Ryan that retweeted this old story of, uh, of Marissa's, which I'm just like, this, that's, that explains a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it is so interesting because a lot of times we think of players as not being anything but players. We don't think about the human side of things. But these things, they mess us up and they mess players up too, right? Like uh, last year, I learned, or, you know, la- this this past season, I learned that Tuka Rask suffers from from migraines and he's got it under control now, but he didn't have it. He didn't understand it for a while. And then they had to take some time to get it under control. So now he takes a fast acting medication if his, he starts to feel it because he has like some some uh, hallucinations, you know, some visual oh, no impairments way. and stuff. So so and, you know, it's like this week they were talking about Nolan Patrick. He's just making it back after like 20 months away. Because he's had debilitating migraines. Like players, they go through shit just like we do. And they face a lot of criticism for it, obviously. But yeah, I, I can feel for him now. It's like, oh, being an insomniac, not getting enough rest, you don't do anything right. You just don't. So it's hard to be consistent. So thank you for telling me. I did not know. And imagine the emotional wear and tear of not sleeping would get to you too. And here's the the other thing. It's like you sit there and you literally fret about not being able to sleep. So mm-hmm. it just winds you up, man. And ultimately, if you're that tired all the time, your understanding of reality becomes completely completely warped. You lose your mind. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that, that's the thing. There are medications and there are are techniques that are designed for people who have these issues. But if you don't know that it's really an issue or if you're ashamed to talk about it with someone, it's hard to get it all figured out and all treated. Good for him. Good for him for working on that. And again, clearly a one-to-one correlation with what is it with his game turning around. Yeah. Good for him. Because up to that point, he'd been a reliably third-pairing defenseman in, in Providence, right? Like he, he, was, he was playing not just in Providence, but like low in the lineup, which is not good. <laughs> so it makes me wonder sometimes if Jake DeBrusque has a similar thing going on that he's just not addressing. I mean, I was saying last night to uh, to Adam that I feel like all hockey players honestly have some kind of hyperactivity thing going on. I don't want to say disorder because it, it makes it sound bad, but it's like I feel like there are a lot of hockey players that could have ADHD and whatever, and that actually playing hockey allows them to focus, Right. So that it's like, mm-hmm. because that's the thing, that's, that's the key to c- overcoming these, uh, these neurodivergent issues where it's like, you just have to learn how to, to work through what you have. Right. So being a hockey player, I could see where it's like, you know, going up and down the ice, like night after night and doing all that skating, it gets, you wind down your energy. So that's good. But it's like the focus of like, okay, I got to keep an eye on where the puck is, or I got to you know, focus on who I'm going to pass to or whatever, doing all that stuff kind of, it gets your mind to go in, in the correct way for you. But anyway, I'm, I'm just saying like, people have all sorts of things going on. But like, you know, what explains a lot to me, given like, you know, I watched them a bunch of different times with, 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 with the, with the sea dogs, mm-hmm. you know, in his draft season, on a, in a game that I remind you all had Nikolai Ehlers and Timo Meyer and Thomas Shabbat in it, among others. Wow. He was one of the best players on the ice the first time I ever saw him. Hmm. Then I saw him in his draft plus one season, and he was just 
let's just say his game wasn't altogether dissimilar from uh, Dubois' uh, last game in uh, in Columbus the other day. <laughs> Except he didn't get benched. He just, you know, controller disconnected. Right. Mm. And then the third time I saw him, he was better. Not quite as, you know, electric as I'd seen him before, but better, right? And I imagine that's uh, a big thing in that situation is that your engagement level is going to fluctuate depending on whether you got an extra 20 minutes the night, uh, on top of your normal three hours the night before. <laughs> because that, that, that little tiny tweak around the margins is what's going to make a difference if you're getting that little sleep. Well, yeah, but, you know, keep in mind that insomnia is not always chronic either. Yeah, you can You can have bouts of insomnia. That's really tough. So good for him. Like, seriously, though, like, it's really good to see. And, yeah. like, you know, big ups to, to Sweeney and the development team, like, all of them going into the season saying, it's like, no, we can do this with Zaboral and Lausanne. It looks like they can. And I'm shocked. Like, I'm, I'm still, I, I am still genuinely upset because of, because of the players that left were two of my favorites, obviously. I'm still angry. I'm still going to be angry. Takes a while for me to work through anger. But at the same time, this is sort of a classic case of it. I know it's the appeal to authority and like we're not supposed to use that kind of argument. But like these guys are the ones that are watching these players every night. Well, this is their job. This is literally their job. Exactly. And like there's all sorts of proprietary information that that, that they have that that the independent people on Twitter don't, right? No, let alone the fact that if you ask the public that such stats don't exist for the AHL, that's complete horseshit, obviously. Every team is probably tracking their own their own AA fancy and micro stats. Yeah. Probably from micro stats that, people, that the public people in the public sphere hadn't even occurred to them yet. Again, it's an appeal to authority. I know, yeah, 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 but this is what they're there, there to do. Right. And more often than not, they deserve the benefit of doubt until their decisions prove to be that bad. And... I am guilty of not following that, and I am certain I will be guilty of not following that in the future. Well, we're fans. We're allowed to do that. (laughs) I reserve the right to not believe anything that Don Sweeney says surrounding somebody's contract situation. That's probably true. Yeah. At least until after the fact. Yeah. After the fact, I'm sensing a certain amount of of candor. But during the process, until there's a contract in hand, don't don't believe a fucking word. (laughs) I, d- I still don't believe it after the fact, so I'm, I'm going to be a non-believer on this. I, I mean, I know. How could you offer Chris Wagner a contract last November? And not Krug or Chara, I know, yes. Right. I mean, Chara, it's always, it was always going to be a late decision. The man's in his 40s, but yeah, the Krug one, I don't understand it. Again, I, I you, you picked up on it. There's clearly a nego- just his philosophy for negotiating, but like, still. I, I just, I don't like it. I don't respect it. I just... I understand as a fan, he does not have to answer to me directly. But as a fan, I also can decide whether or not I want to buy shit from you guys. So there we go. It's it's capitalism. It's the free market at work. So the Bruins are playing cap games with certain players. Oh, yeah. Basically, on non-game days, they're sending Frederick and Studnika down. Yep. And each day they're not. They build up an extra, you know, like 35,000 in cap space. Right now, they're a track for like $19.5 million at the deadline. So we can acquire everyone. Yeah, this team can do some really fucking insane things at the deadline with that kind of cap space. Um, you know. We'll see what happens, what they do. But like we could see them going for, you know, a certain pretty highly regarded left wing who makes $8 million in Buffalo, for example. I was going to say the haul to Boston seems, seems pretty good. Are we really sure we want that guy, though? If you're not asking him to be the guy... I think you're in a good position. He's a great player. He's not the guy. Although, in his defense, though, he did win the heart while being the guy. But 
I know. I just, I, I'm afraid of uh, Taylor Hall, the passenger, more so. Because there are times where it's like, he's, he, he's surely very talented. But I don't think he always works as hard as he could. So, I, I just worry. You know, I got excited when Dubois was apparently on the market. And I was like, sitting there like, yeah, the Bruins should really make a move there. And they didn't. Because you know what? Dubois would have been your upgrade. Remember that upgrade of Jake DeBrusque? Yes, we we're not supposed to shit on Jake DeBrusque after he won that game, but well, I'm they, keep doing it would have been a, it would have been a clever move. Play play Dubois left wing for this season. Krejci walks slides over slides into the middle. Yeah, if would, you want, it would have it would have been we made it made a lot of sense absolutely, but yeah. So <sighs> apparently, the asking price was a lot for Dubois. Well, yeah, I mean, it was Patrick Line and the hometown guy. I was going to say, I still don't understand that trade from a variety of angles. Yeah. Like, I see the argument. Like, I've seen arguments that Winnipeg won that one, and I don't buy it. I feel like Shevadeoff got kind of rolled by uh, by Jarmo there, personally. I think it was, let's take care of two problems with one fell swoop. The, the... But, but, like, it's a weird trade, right? Because, like, I don't think a Dubois line A one-for-one one would have happened. I think if it was a one-for-one, one, it would have had to been Columbus that threw something in. So my guess is that's mostly like Winnipeg didn't actually care about Roslavic anymore and just use this as an opportunity to get rid of him because Dubois plus a third feels like the right for right thing for line a because like Dubois numbers aren't that impressive. Yes. He's a center. He's got some impressive toolkit, but he only put it together in for like seven games in the bubble. I think he's only a second line center, which is which he's going to be in Winnipeg. Good for him. Because the chief play is still going to be the, still going to be the one C there. I think it's really interesting that they traded their uh, respective second and third picks in the uh, 2016 draft for each other. This is true. So it's like I feel like the value is probably similar, but they they both still need to play up to their potential. Well, and there's the thing like people say it's like, well, it's hardest to find a good center and Dubois is a good center, which is why he's worth more on the trade than line. A. It's like line day scores a fuck ton of goals. And that's literally the hardest thing to do in this goddamn sport. So I don't understand. Like even people that normally say that all the time, we're saying Dubois was the better get. And I don't fucking get it. <laughs> yeah. I don't understand Columbus retaining salary. No, no. Winnipeg retained salary. Oh, I said Columbus. I meant Winnipeg. My mistake. I'd forgotten about that part. That part is like, what, what, why? Yeah. Yeah. 1.25 million on uh, uh, line A's salary, if I remember correctly. And remember Winnipeg, that's weird. Interesting because remember Winnipeg's finances are all in Canadian dollars, Canadian dollars, whereas Columbus's are in us. So that 1.25 is like, is a bigger chunk of change for Winnipeg than it is for, than it is for Columbus in terms of raw dollars, not yeah. knowing the underlying financials of the teams, obviously. Yeah. America. Fuck. Yeah. Mm. Roslovic was uh, at home in Columbus. Unsigned, no intentions of signing. He was, honestly, it was only a matter of time before they traded him for Columbus. The fact that it happened this way probably means that Winnipeg did better for him than they would have otherwise. That said, a third for a 23-year-old first-round pick who is definitely an NHLer, but caliber is entirely up to debate. Right. All I'm saying is this. It was no Seth Jones for Ryan Johansson. So think about how shitty a fucking match uh, line A is with Tortorella, though. I do what I want, which is weird. <laughs> that everyone seems like Jarmo doesn't make this trade unless she's confident he can resign line A really because like line is going to play for torch for like two weeks and then want to die. Yeah, I think line is just too not mentally there for for uh, for torts. So, you know, all this talk about line A speaking of players who um, 
score goals and then don't really do other things. I believe uh, VA had an, uh, had a topic uh, discussion idea. Yes. Well, as it turns out, Jacob Voracek last week lost his shit at a press conference while he was sitting next to Travis Konechny, who um, had just the best facial expressions throughout this oh, whole thing. Oh, he just looked like he was trying not to be there. Yes. Just like, I'm not here. Don't see me. Right. <laughs> A reporter, a columnist for, I guess, the Philadelphia Inquirer, Examiner, whatever it's called, basically, uh, he asked a question of Voracek. And this guy is known for, like, dogging Voracek, especially because he'll he'll say things like, oh, it's really curious how, you know, uh, how uh, Jacob Voracek does not seem to have any interest in, in playing in the defensive zone. Uh, while he's making $8.25 million per year. So basically, the idea is that Jacob Voracek, excellent in the offensive zone. Uh, you know, he's he's great at scoring, does not want to play defense, which is basically, if you're on the ice, you've got to play defense at some point, right? Because the puck goes to either end, right? So, I mean, there's some players that, 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 whose entire careers sort of refute that thesis. Right. Most of them are named Mike Hoffman. okay so mike hoffman who is according to the deeper numbers so bad defensively that you're not actually getting value from his goals okay here okay so this is this is the question when a player is so good at one aspect of the game is it okay to overlook their deficiencies in the other aspect of the game. So with Voracek, he, he, um, he did not respond, respond well to that criticism uh, about him. Of course, it's very easy for people who don't play the game, who just watch it, to, to level that criticism. But he took it especially unwell and, you know, swore at the, at the guy, which was great. <laughs> and said, it doesn't matter what I say. Because you're just gonna lie about it anyway. You're such a, a you're such a, a weasel. It's not even funny. You're such a lying weasel or something. It's not even funny. Whatever it was, it was great. So I thought it was very humorous. Konechny also was just like, what? So it, it really inspired this question. Like, you know, we obviously, honestly, we have a player like that. We do. We have a player who's just so awesome, so good, so good. He's so good at special teams. He's so good at scoring goals. But, you know, when it comes to defensive work, he could put a little more into it. I'm talking about Pasta. He's not terrible in the defensive zone, but you can tell that he would rather just be going over and scoring the goal. And that's fine. Well, and there's a classic example. Is no one ever actually talks about how he's not that good defensively. Pasta is a case of clearly on the side of it. If you're that good at something, it doesn't fucking matter. But there are clearly limits to this. There's reason that Anthony Duclair is a pay, bounces around the league. There's a reason that that you know Mike Hoffman is not isn't particularly well regarded in the league and has nothing to do with his fucking lunatic wife. Um, although also that. <laughs> That's an also. You're right. <laughs> or Phil Kessel. Oh, Phil, Phil Kessel is the classic example. Of Phil Kessel does not do things unless he's scoring. Right. Right. And. So, you know, I've got to say that my, my opinion on this is changing because I, I honestly am just like, I, I really feel like you need to play all three zones, right? 
You need to play offensive neutral and defensive zones. You need to do that. You need to be able to play in your own zone and get the puck on your stick and get out of there. That's fine. And you have to be able to block a shot. I know that some of the advanced stats don't really like block shots and stuff like that, but it's like you have to be able to make sure that that shots get through and they better be blocked because it makes less work for the goalie. I guess Mm -hmm. if you have a lot of block shots, it's not a good sign, but you better be willing to block them nonetheless. Right, right. So (laughs) I, I am coming to the opinion that if you're just so excellent in one aspect of the game, and that's the key word, excellent, that we can overlook that. Like Anthony Duclair like him or it's not good, it's but not special right i i feel like there are players who are just like they're they're good enough to be in the nhl even if barely they're good enough to be in the nhl but they they've got to work it they've got to work it all like however they can work it because there's there are different layers of of you know different tiers of players and stuff and and obviously pasta is in that elite scoring so I just decided I don't want to worry about pasta in that way. But I will point out that one of the things that that Don Sweeney said uh, about Jake DeBrusque, and I think uh, Bruce Cassidy said this as well, is that he's really inconsistent. He needs to work being on the, the penalty kill now. That's kind of saying your offense isn't good enough for me to overlook your deficiencies. So have at it, guys. What do you think? As I said, I mean, it, it, it's all going to matter on a case-by-case basis, right? Some players are that good at that one thing. It doesn't matter. Your Pasternak's, your Line's. Your Ovechkin's. Your Ovechkin's, yes. But if you're just good, not that good at that one thing, and God forbid your other aspects are that bad, often. Like, like, like it's, it's, it's a case-by-case basis, Right. Right. A lot of these guys, they're they're not doing things when they're not scoring, but they're not necessarily causing harm. Someone like Mike Hoffman, on the other hand, is actively hurting you on the ice when he's not literally scoring a goal. That's different, right? So it it, it varies. And um, my problem with DeBrusque is more in the category of not harming when he's not when he's not going scoring goals. He's just sort of occupying uh, occupying space and sucking air. Yeah, and that's. And that's more tolerable, but the problem is he spends too much time not scoring goals that like, okay, so he's just sucking air. Right. <laughs> when it comes to a player like Pasternak, I, um, I often feel like these top-line wingers or top-line uh, offensive gurus, their defensive liabilities are often, I would say, exaggerated because they're – Offense is so good. You just assume, oh, they're on the top line. They should be good defensively as well. I don't think that's the case. I think many of the times, too, when we're talking about these bad uh, defensive players, they're usually wingers. And that's usually why they're wingers, because they're not as good uh, in their own zone. Now, wingers do have a job to defend, but most of that's on your center and your defenseman. So in my opinion, I I think it's a little bit of the media having a a good time when when it comes to criticizing defensive uh, play. When it comes to, if we we're going to talk specifically about uh, DeBrusque, my, uh, what I took, I'm kind of with, with Jeff on this one. He's saying he needs to improve his defensive play. Maybe that's because they feel like, you know what, you've maxed out your offensive potential. If that's not getting better, we'll at least try to be good defensively. Mm-hmm. I don't think Salvage it's, it's the player, which yeah. is clearly what they've been trying to do with Bjork, for example. Yeah. I think when we're talking about players like Pasta and DeBrusque, 
first of all, pasta is next level, obviously. Mm-hmm. And he's also, he's got Bergy and he's got Marshy. And I know Marshy's a winger, but Marshy gets in there and, and is able to, to play defensively, right? He would not be able to play alongside Bergy if he didn't, I think. Uh, I think that mm-hmm. that's just something that Bergy expects of him. I think that it's more like people are a little more hands off on pasta too, because it's like, you got to consider the notion too, that top line, I say sort of going, like they're all top line wingers. The guys who talking most of the Nick was saying is like, they're on the ice a lot, mm. which means any defensive fuck, you're going to see more defensive fuck ups, even if mm. they're not that much worse than defensively. Like, like you want the truth of the answer. I bet if you really dug down into it, Wagner's not that much better defensively than pasta is, but that's all you expect from him. Right, you see a lot less exactly. Of him. Right, right, because you see him for. Let's just face it. Chris Wagner is a fun player, but he's not a good one by really any measure. Um... <laughs> no, no. Okay, so there's there are many facets to this argument. So I, I I looked at this a little one or two dimensional when there are multi dimensionals uh, about it. So I, I, well, as I said, you, you never have this conversation about players who are offensive black holes. The mm. argument the player needs to be able to function in all three zones never gets turned the other way around. Mm. I haven't really been able to figure that one out either. I think like, it's ultimately like a guy that's a fantastic defensively, but you know, can't skate through the neutral zone and hasn't seen the offensive zone as it's in the last 15 years. Why do we not talk about those players the same way we talk about your Mike Hoffman's? I have a theory that is, uh, Back in the day, probably defense was viewed as a, oh, it's a, it's a mentality. I'm sure it is, but it takes skill too. And honestly, being really good offensively, passing the puck, knowing where players are going to be, it takes more talent to be offensive than it takes to be defensive. And so... I think players who are just good defensively get the benefit of the doubt because, well, they're more like us, unskilled <laughs> at playing hockey. Like, don't get do- me wrong. Like, I'm not trying to take the argument that a lot of the numbers people do because they always rant about this. I'm just like, there's a bit of a double standard here is my only critique. Not that these people should be getting the, getting criticized in lieu of the others because, frankly, they both should be. It is a three-zone game, and every player should at least be able to look like they know, what, know, know how to hold the stick in all three zones. Mm-hmm. Well, I, in response to what Nick said – I'm going to bring back an NFL thing. I'm sorry. I have to. You, uh, The joke used to be that offensive players would come home for, uh, you know, during training camp with a thick binder of plays and all that the defense needed to know could be put on one baseball card that tucked into their pocket. Mm-hmm. Guy with ball hurt him. <laughs> essentially, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> I mean, now it, it is a lot more schemed out than it used to be. I mean, there's uh, a certain amount of hurt guy before he can get ball too. Yes. Um. <laughs> right, right. So now it, it's a little more even. They, they, they figured out. Uh, you know, we've had some really good defensive coaches that have figured out some really clever schemes. So, uh, so it's different now, but that used to be the joke up until like, uh, the 49ers, uh, dominated the eighties, uh, basically. So, okay. So what we've learned today is that we're probably picking on, on the people who play more than the people who aren't playing as much on the ice. But I'm going to say that sometimes the stars need critiques 
Oh, this is true. I really think so. Oh, I think absolutely. So. Yes. Because I, I get tired of the NHL being so star driven when it's like most of the players are slubs that are better than us. <laughs> you know, ultimately, but, I think that's the problem with for players like Kessel. Like Kessel, he looks like a schlub, but he's not. Yeah, yeah. And people hold that against him. Oh, I think it's endlessly entertaining. I just do. <laughs> you know, he. I think he's a very fascinating guy. I'm not sure what's going on with him, but whatever it is, it's working. So who cares? Don't change it. Mm-hmm. Even a player like like Nick Ritchie, he can outskate probably pretty much. 99.99999% of people to have ever existed. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh-huh. But, yeah. but then, as I said earlier, he's, he's I don't understand. I, I, I thought about it. I've been guilty of it too, but why on earth would anyone cheer against a man that looks like him? Absolutely. Being a pro athlete. Yeah. I don't know. I have a chance. <laughs> All right. So we, we should probably wrap things up because Nick is getting ready to go. Let's just wrap it up. Let's go. Okay. Okay. So, um, uh, schedule. Yes. Let's do schedule. So this week starts off with a, with two games at home against Pittsburgh on Tuesday, the 26th and Thursday, the 28th, both of them 7 PM Eastern time at at the garden games against the pens are always fun. And this should also come with the point that the, if I, Remember the eh, pens are below the waterline at the moment in the in, in, in the division, so that's fun. <laughs> uh, but Sidney Crosby has five points in five games, so. I mean, he is still Sid, despite you know being soundly into his mid thirties. So. <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Sid, if I'm... the middle-aged man. Yep. No longer Sid the kid. Follow that up on the thirtieth in. Uh... <gasps> In Washington, so it's the first oh, Chara game. Oh, that's going to hurt. I don't like it. I, I'm a little bummed that the first one's in Washington and not in Boston. Although, I don't, who knows how much they would, effort they would put into a tribute video when there's no fans in the building. Mm, so Hard sad. to say. So sad. Anyway, also 7 p.m. That's on Saturday the 30th. And then follows it up on Monday the 1st, my mother's birthday, again, 7 p.m. in Washington against the Caps. Okay. Well, you know what? The good thing is, like, no more rioters uh, trying to storm the Capitol. So, you know, or getting uh, getting oh. uh, mistaken and storming the Capitals. <laughs> Don't jinx it. Okay. <laughs> you know, they do play at the Capital One Arena. Mm. That's true. If they're going to say, we're going to storm the Capitol at one. The and then they're going to be like, oh, Capital One Arena. You know, like, I mean, like, I, you know what? I mean, like, I'm groaning here, but at the same time, it's like, no, no. Some of these goobers are almost certainly that stupid. Four <laughs> seasons, total landscaping. That's all you have to say. Okay, so that's the schedule for this week. We've got pain. Pain is coming. Pain is coming. All right. But so- we've also got, you know, Brad, hopefully, you know, clowning, uh, clowning Sid, because he's kind of good at that. <laughs> Wonder how it's going to be with Bergeron being the captain now. New experience. Look, Sid, I'm a captain now. Look at me. I mean, Sid's response like, I've been captain since I was a child, but still. Oh, okay, fair enough. Yes, sir. (laughs) Okay, well, I'm trying to be excited about it, man. I'm trying. It's hard. It's weird. I mean, that still ended up in my, in my, in my version with um, uh, with Sid being submissive to, Ber- to Bergie, so. 
I'd be submissive to Bergy. Oh, me too. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like, yeah. All sorts of homoerotic things coming out of my mouth uh, this podcast. But anyway. Is that wrong? Is that bad? No. Just in that kind of mood. There we go. One image I will always have of Bergeron is him bitching out Sidney Crosby after the Matt Cook hit. And Sidney Crosby being so embarrassed and unable to look at Bergeron. But, you know, I mean, they were they were friends, but they weren't tight until after Sid's concussion slash spinal contusion, whatever it actually was. It was my, it was my understanding. Like they were like they were they were they were they were friends, but they weren't close. And after I right. thought that process is what changed that relationship a bit. But maybe I'm wrong. Um, well, look, you know, sometimes you to to really gather and gain the empathy that you need to. You need to. uh uh, walk through somebody's shoes, right? Mm-hmm. All right. Okay, well, listeners, uh, you've been listening to Barely on Topic. Thank you for joining us. You can find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever your favorite podcasts are found, assuming it's one of those places. If you're looking somewhere else, well, maybe you're just not looking for us. I don't know. <laughs> you can find us on um, uh, on Facebook. That's um, uh, at Barely on Topic Podcast or on Twitter. At Barely on Topic. And of course, there's our individual Twitter accounts. I, Jeff, am at Dr. Hand Grenade. I'm Nick Baggio. Oh, and I. Um, mm, mm, dot com. <laughs> also known as FBA from RI. <laughs> <laughs> Surrogate Tim. Word. <laughs>